Francisco, thanks for taking the time for this interview. When I heard you're championing digital transformation, I really wanted to talk to you. I'm also coming from a media background where digital transformation is happening for a long time now. And I generally see it happening in a lot of different industries. However, in oil and gas, although it's filled with, you know, engineers, it's a very engineering focused, you know, technology focused industry. It's still lagging a little bit behind in terms of digital transformation. Why do you think this is happening? Because uh, usually uh, oil business, the oil industry has been averse to, to technology. Mm-hmm. Even though it's, it's needed, I mean, the technology is really needed. It has been a little bit averse of, of doing new things and mainly new technologies. This is something which is cultural. So could you talk to me a little bit about your position and your role currently? Okay. So I'm the director for innovation technology. I have been working in Repsol for a long time as a director of geophysics, which basically was technology in the geophysics sites. And then since four years ago, I, I moved to your science and now I'm expanding a little bit to all of technology needed for digital transformation, mm-hmm. including energy transition, upstream and upstream, and, and okay. some sort of or advising and advisory role in corporate venturing. So because the company has a fund of $100 million to invest in companies. So this is more or less the role which I have now in the company. I as well am ambassador, technology ambassador of the company. So that's why I'm talking in many conferences and things. I don't know if Chris had told you, but my last day in Repsol will be next Friday. So I'm a little bit semi-retired. I've been working today, it has been 30 years. And then I think that I'm going to start somehow work only part-time. I will try to do things. I start out together with a partner called Ubiquity Solutions. And then I will be working part-time, but, but most of us. And then with this thing, this Ubiquity will be consulting in digital transformation. So more or less, I don't know, I mean, something I created in Repsol, I was awarded an award last year, which mm-hmm. is Digital Legend. So the Legend company Legend. gave me this award, telling me that my contribution to the digital transformation of the company in the last uh, 15 years, mm-hmm. So because it's, I started in Repsol, and in Repsol, uh, we are known for this, that we are ahead of the cure because of yes. what we started uh, 20 years ago in, in the digital transformation arena, starting with artificial intelligence, with the cloud, with big data. Now everybody seems today that they invented this kind of thing. But when we started, nobody called it data transformation. We started automating man work. That's why we started, because we had people doing, because the, the data was long time in the computers and everything. So we just try to automate the bank work. That's why we started. I guess you are mostly focusing on the upstream, right? My, most of my expertise has been traditionally upstream, but currently my company is having much more transversally even downstream and energy transition, mainly energy transition. And where do you think that actually digital transformation can be applied that has the most impact? I know it's a no-brainer that upstream makes definitely sense to use more and more AI, machine learning, big data, all of those things, and start digitizing it more and more. But do you think that this is the area that they should be focusing on, or are there other applications maybe down the okay. supply chain? It's different. It's different. Now, the upstream business today is a commodity business. Okay. It's like growing wheat. So it's something, it's not like 15 years ago when the history was about growth. 
and all the analysts they want to grow and then they want the new technology to grow and everything now nothing is today is like growing weak so it's like with a fixed price you have to reduce the cost to increase the profitability Again. And in this kind of thing, the digital transformation, which is bringing you, is the efficiency. In the energy industry, we are a comp- should we have been making cars, cars will be $200,000 because we have not been very good at doing things economically. Yeah. So now the digital transformation is needed just to increase efficiency, to lower the break-even of the projects, that's why it's absolutely needed. At the same time, all the growth history, the growth history that was in the upstream 15 years ago, now is in the energy transition. Now is where all the investors, all the analysts, they want to listen to you. You have new technology for the energy transition. Mm-hmm. So now all the technology needed for energy transition, where for the electricity, from the power, from the utilities, all these kind of things, really you need to have all of the fashion, all of the technology for growing this business. So that's why is needed twice. One for the efficiency, for the efficiency story, which is digital transformation, and the other is for the growth story, history of energy transition. That's why these are the, the two roles that now have the, the data transformation in the energy landscape. I see. Because all of these things, like something very important in the electricity, in the power, is that the customers of the companies, they need to be active part of the energy business. So with your electric car, you can take electrons from a petrol station and then you can sell to your grid. So you can be an active part of this is from wheel to grid. So the consumers, they're going to be very active part of the energy transition because Mm -hmm. you will be producing your own electricity. You will be able to do all of this. You need digital transformation and technology that now are booming. So this is completely, that's why we'll be resetting completely the landscape of the utilities and the power business. Could you give us some examples where uh, data transformation and uh, digitalization is actually accelerating the innovation in the energy transition space? Okay, for instance, there are like seven different technologies that you really need to be in place. You want to create from the energy management systems to the producers or the company like you as a user, as a customer, that you want to be producing electricity. There are seven technologies. I don't know now on top of my mind, but these are the technologies that is something like you need not only to be able to generate the electrons, but you need to manage all kind of all the business. And then this is kind of how, how you manage you as a prosumer will be managing the power that you are generating in your house or in your home, and we are bringing with your electric car. So these are the technologies where... And the other thing is all of these things of smart cities. Smart cities, how the people, how you are moving with the power and everything in the cities is something very important. For instance, I know the Barcelona Supercomputing Center in Spain. Yeah. I don't know if you know it. They are very nice people, by the way. You know them. So these smart cities, they are doing great things about how they are managing the cities, particularly Barcelona. I see. So you think that basically AI and uh, digitalization will be needed because the grid and the network between producers and consumers becomes very dynamic and complicated. Yeah, that's correct. It's going to be fully dynamic and you have to be able to make real-time decisions. Yeah. You cannot make them. And the system 
which is driven by AI, will have to be making the, for instance, where is the cheaper power now? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. You, have, you have to buy the power where the source is cheaper and then moving, moving on the electrons. This is something that will be happening, that the grid must be smart in the sense that you will be using every single point in time where is the cheaper power being generated and you need to bring them to the place where it's paying you more. And yeah. this is something that is not going to be just done by the energy company, it will be by you, by the user that you will be able to drive the production of power. So it will be an active role for the users and the customers in the total energy landscape. Makes sense. But today, the consumers, they only pay bills. <laughs> and how do you see the majors like Repsol and other majors being involved in that? Do you well, think people start being involved more in that game or... In particular, I can tell you about Repsol. Repsol definitely want to be one very big energy company with power. For instance, Shell want to be the largest power company of the world. So I think that the European companies, they want to be more and more in this. I think that the, the US companies like Exxon, Chevron, they are not yet there. I think they don't have plans, but the European companies definitely, they want to be, and in particular, I can tell you about Repsol, Repsol, or we already acquired an electrical company. We are building all the businesses around this company, which is called Piesco. And why do you think that is happening? I guess like this is more of a downstream kind of play, right? So, well, in reality, the business, uh, yes, the business is similar to the downstream business. All the, in fact, in Repsol, the people which are working in the energy transition they have a downstream background, not an upstream background. Yeah, yeah. Because of this, because it's more similar to the to the downstream business rather than to the upstream. And in reality, the upstream business, most of the companies, they don't want to do anything because the analysts are penalizing you if you want to do things in the upstream. Most of the companies like Repsol, we are engaged in the energy transition and decarbonization to be carbon neutral by 2050. So this is something which is heavily penalizing the upstream business. You mean the dynamic grid? Sorry, no, what I mean is that the upstream business is penalized by the investors. We are basically moving heavily towards, towards, towards the landscape of the electricity and this kind of things, the energy transition, and abandoning completely the upstream business. So we are reducing the amount of budgets and everything because basically the investors and the analysts, they don't want to listen to you that you are going to grow in the upstream. Oh, I get it. But again, if you don't have upstream, you don't have downstream, right? I know that eventually renewable energies and all of these things will come up, but still oil and gas is a major force of energy right now, right? No, definitely, definitely it is. But the question is that you are going to grow or you are going to maintain. Now we are growing. We are not increasing the production. We are not increasing. So we are just maintaining what we have just to be able to deliver the barrels that we are going to use. So we don't want to have like new ventures in new areas with something like that. So as we say, the new ventures are the electrons. It's not the molecules anymore. I get it. And is Repsol, for example, I guess they are maintaining their upstream activities right now? Yes, we are maintaining the upstream business, but we are reducing exactly. the scope. So maybe we are going to reduce the number of different places where we have assets 
and we are going to optimize in the areas where we will remain. I get it. So you focus on the energy transition front. Are you yes. also investing on renewable energy or are you on... Oh, yes, yes, photovoltaic energy and wind. We have a very big wind farm. Oh, is Windflow Atlantic, which is a farm of area generators, which are offshore Portugal, which yes. are 30 kilometers from the coast. And then we have all of, all of these photovoltaic uh, solar power. So we have created a community of solar power users, hmm. the people that they are producing solar power in their house. Ah, okay. They get together and they sell to the grid. They use by themselves and then they sell to the grid. That's actually quite tricky, right? So my background is electrical engineering. I never really practiced it, but I know that actually allowing more and more solar power into the grid can eventually become quite tricky, right? Yes. So so how do you manage that? Do you have like a dedicated amount of solar energy that you will allow and then you have technology that automatically balances the whole grid or i'm not very familiar with the details of how, how we are doing but but the only thing i know is that we have started to do it amazing okay francisco what's the next steps uh, for you then you mentioned your startup could you tell us a little bit about that well the startup is about uh, con- aggregating needs for the cloud and this is something that we are doing and we will be offering to small companies that uh, maybe they don't have access to the cloud so just provide access to the cloud and then the other thing is uh, is a little bit of consulting for small companies that they don't have their resources then yes. they need to move to the cloud and they want to this but they don't have their resources so we will provide with these with these resources. I get it. So move to the cloud, their data and the processing power or something else? Yes, mainly the processing power. Mainly companies that they don't have the processing capabilities in the cloud, they are cheaper. But yes. these companies, they don't have enough resources for themselves to go to the cloud because they are very migration. We just aggregate and then we sell the power to the company. Amazing. And one last question from my side. How do you see countries are enabling it and you know monitoring this kind of energy transition that is happening? Because of course they are also making a lot of revenue out of the upstream money that is generated. So how do you think that you know existing producer or other frontier countries handle all this energy transition? I think, I think something that is very interesting is the role of the NLCs. Okay. Because the agencies, at the end of the day, they are the company with the most amount of resources. For them, it's very difficult that they will go the, the energy transition because for them, the oil and, and gas are the source of the assets. I think that for the IOCs, this is going to be more or less easier because at the end of the day, what you are shifting is the share that you have on the energy. But for the NOCs, it's going to be very tricky. I was in a company where this guy from Saudi Arabia was saying, hey, how is possible that they, you want us to move to this side to, to start generating a power and, and being able to transition? For us, it's very difficult just to survive on, on the hydrocarbon terms. I get it. Makes sense. I mean, you can't blame them. <laughs> so at our events, what are you going to be speaking about? Something that I can be speaking is about democratization of technology, how through the cloud and everything, so the companies, so instead of traditionally in the companies, you have like 
5, 10, 15 specialists. So now, thanks to the cloud and democratization of technology and deploying technology in the cloud, you can increase the amount of people in that, that of the specialists. So instead of having just 15, 20 specialists, you will have 500 specialists, something that will be able for, for the cloud you need to be. This is something that I can speak. And this is something that we did in Repsol very quite successfully. So 500 specialists basically looking at the data or how? No, looking at working at, uh, in the projects. Okay. Working in the projects with projects that previously only only a handful of specialists could do it. Now you have all of the kind of generalist people can be uh, substantially, can be now have the experience of being a specialist. Oh, I get it. Basically, you can have enough to you you can give them digital tools that would turn them from generalists to specialists. That's correct. So instead of having 12, 15 specialists, now you will be able to have 500. And then your company will benefit completely from this democratization of the knowledge, democratization of technology, and democratization of the data. This okay. is the main things that like the internet, the internet and the data transformation is bringing, is bringing you. We are living a, a phase, a phase in history similar to 15th century where the print was invented. Yes. So in the same way that you were producing books, so you democratized technology and culture at that time. Now, thanks to the cloud, you are democratizing the technology and the knowledge and the data. So you yes. could benefit having, this is something like systems, like they learn by themselves. It's independent of the people, it's just, it's just not depending on one people, it's depending on the system itself, which is learning from the others, and then it's democratizing the, the data and technology to a broader audience of, of generalistic uh, people. Makes sense. Are there any specific uh, like use cases you've got in mind that you've seen in Repsol that you try this kind of uh, democratization? And well, I will try to use a case for this in Repsol. What I don't know is, is if I will be able to, to talk about it, of course, mm-hmm. but we can bring up a case. So this is that why I was asking you about my involvement in the because maybe I cannot talk about the Repsol specifics. Yes. Maybe no longer can talk like other, other, in other occasions I was able to do it. You can But anyway, uh, I, don't, I don't know yet. So you can mention, you know, of one major company, but you, you cannot say the name. <laughs> I no, know. I can say things like that. I can say hey, always we can, we can do, we can, we can say things like this. Yeah. So even after you've uh, disclosed that your last day is on Friday, yeah, uh, actually never remove your name from the agenda. I know that you are one of the very few people that uh, I've seen, uh, Francisco, that is actually so actively involved in innovation and digital transformation in oil and gas. As I said, I'm actually coming from a media background where the digital uh, transformation is very heavy there. So when I moved to oil and gas, I didn't find a lot of people like you that are actually doing all of these things. And I was super impressed that this is not happening. So yeah, I know that you have a lot of things to tell, even if you cannot disclose it's from Repsol. We'd be very happy. I know. I'm very well known about this thing in the industry. I'm very well known. And people will know what I'm talking about, even though I don't mention. <laughs> so and I'm going to be involved in this, in this business. There has been several companies. Telling me, hey Francisco, let's see if we can we can benefit from your experience. So I'm I'm very sure 
because now there are companies telling me that, that, that they, now I don't want to do anything because I want just to rest, to have three yes. months resting. But I know that there are already people that they want to take advantage of all my knowledge and contacts and everything. So something, I will be continue to continue in this kind of on this uh, pursuit. So I, I will find. Another 30 years, uh, Francisco. Uh, 30 years, another 30 years. Another this, of 30 course. years. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, it's a very nice subject and it's about time we bring cloud to oil and gas, right? I know we have so many yes. supercomputers and all of those things. I was discussing in the conference about the cloud with some other engineers and they were telling me, we don't need cloud, we have all those supercomputers. We don't need cloud, we don't need, you know, these things. Wow, okay, I will defend why you need cloud because the cloud is material to democratizing technology. Of course. Because you cannot have one supercomputer in every office. Exactly. But thanks to the cloud, you have a supercomputer at home. Exactly. So you can really, from your coach, start working This is the name of our company, Ubiquity, which is the Ubiquity Supercomputing. So ah, that's why. Makes this sense. This is the name of our company, Ubiquity. That's why you so need Ubiquity Supercomputing. You have, you don't need, you, I mean, you have a phone, you have a tablet, you have a supercomputer everywhere. This is the name of our company, Ubiquity. Makes sense now. <laughs> 